Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at the Rock. Amen, amen. So I have been in the book of Hebrews in my own uh, personal reading. And uh, you can see that's kind of toward the end because this year I've been doing a a once through different years I do different Bible reading plans but this year back in January so it's almost the end of the year this is how I know right because I'm right just finishing up Hebrews now but a, a few days back I was in Hebrews chapter 6 and I was just receiving from God and so I thought I would share with you out of this passage right to share with you the green pastures that I was sitting by as I was enjoying the Word of God. So you can go ahead and open up your Bible, those of you online, thank you for being here, those of you in the sanctuary, just go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start reading together in verse 16. It says, For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. Now when we talk about an oath, right? An oath is something that has consequences. An oath is like the next level when somebody takes an oath, right? It's, you have to keep your oath or something negative could happen. For example, somebody takes an oath, right, when they're going to they're gonna witness before a judge, before a court. A judge takes an oath of office to judge righteously, to judge with justice, right? So when we take an oath, if we don't keep our oath, there's consequences. So an oath is a big deal. An oath is a way of confirming something. So it's given as confirmation is an end of every dispute, verse 17. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise. Any heirs of the promise in the room today? Yes, that's right. We recognize who we are. Such a beautiful worship set, remembering our relationship to the Father and being heirs of the promise. To show the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath. So this is pretty incredible. The God who has made promise. If there was ever a promise keeper, it is our Father God, is it not? There is no doubt when God makes a promise that he's going to keep it. But because of our doubt, because of our lack of trust, he does something else. He says, not only am I going to give them the promise, the promise shows the unchangeableness of my purpose, God says. He says, I'm going to interpose it with an oath. So God makes a promise and an oath. He makes a double commitment because he knows our lack of faith. He knows our doubt. He's serious about this and trying to make a point so that we will believe him. What is that point? Verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things, right, the promise and the oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge, those heirs of the promise, we've taken refuge, would have a strong encouragement. God's like, I don't just want you to be encouraged to do this. I want a strong encouragement in your life. I'm convincing you with my promise and my oath to what? To take hold of the hope set before us. To take hold of hope. Hope must be a big deal if God is going through all of this so that you and I would lay hold of the hope that he's given us. So you know what? Every time there's an election, they want to portray normally 
this idea of hope, right? Vote for this person in the hope. But this election's the opposite. Don't vote for that person because of doom and gloom. If you vote for this person, it's the end of the world as we know it. You vote for, right? It was all negative. Traditionally, it's been a message of hope. This year was kind of backwards there. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter what happens in Pennsylvania or any of the other states or our nation in general because we have a hope. We have a hope. And so what I've entitled this message tonight, instead of, you know, Biden-Harris 2020 or Trump-Pence 2020, I thought we'd go with hope 2020, right? Hope 2020 and beyond because it's God's hope and it's good for all times. So we're going to take a look at this idea tonight of hope that I ran into as I was reading through Hebrews about taking a hold of this hope. God takes an oath and makes a promise so that we would be encouraged to do that. So what is hope? Let's start there. Let's just lay a foundation. Hope, simply put, is a confident expectation of good. A confident expectation of good. Romans 8.24 says this, For in hope... We have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? If you see it, if you have it, you don't have to hope for it, right? So hope is what we can't see. It's the expectation of something good. It's the confident expectation of our salvation. In hope, we have been saved. It's the confident expectation of the promises of God. It's the confident expectation of the provision of God. It's the confident expectation that God is with me, near me, and in me because in hope I have been saved. Salvation means that I'm in relationship with God. And if I'm in relationship with God, I'm going to want to please him. Right? And the Bible tells us that it takes faith to please God. Right? It is impossible to please him without faith. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of what? Of the things hoped for. The conviction of the things not seen. So our faith, what it takes to please God, actually depends on Hope. We have to hope in something so that we can act in faith. When we look at that scripture, faith is the assurance of our hope. Some, some translations say faith is the substance of the things we hope for. Right? Faith is the conviction of the things we hope for. So our faith depends on us having hope, believing and holding fast to that hope in which we were saved. That's why we see God taking an oath and making a promise, because it's the foundation, that hope inside of us. You know, we live in a world, and this is changing, but for the last century or so, where this big idea of seeing is believing. If I don't see it, I can't believe it, right? If it's not tangible, if I can't experience it or feel it or measure it or, or take it in with my five senses, this age of modernism and empiricism and all of these things, right? And that's beginning to shift with postmodernism. But this idea that really science has showed us that the things that we can't see are far greater than the things that we can see. I mean, you think, and I think we see a lot of things in this room today 
But there's a whole bunch of things happening in the air that you can't see. The sound waves, do you see it going from my mouth through the speakers to your ears? But it's there. The light waves, do you see them arriving at you and illuminating your Bible, your clothes, the person next to you? No, but they are there. There's all kinds of electromagnetic radiation that you and I can't see. And that may mean nothing to you. You can ignore me. My previous job was a chemistry teacher. So <laughs> I might have taught a little bit of those things. So the thing is, the hope, right, faith takes hold of hope. It's the assurance, right? The assurance of that hope, the conviction of that hope. And hope is something, confident expectation. You don't have to hope for the things you can already see, right? We saw that already. So hope can seem out of reach when we can't see goodness. If we see darkness, if we're experiencing frustration, if we're in the middle of trouble, if we're in the middle of our own failures or our own uncertainties or anxiety, I mean, this year has been something else, right? I mean, come on, 2020, you need some hope. It's not over yet, though, right? I mean, there's just been so much. People with just depression and pressure, all of these things that make it difficult, can make it difficult to see that hope of our salvation. Because hope, remember, hope is that confident expectation of something good. And so we have to trust God, trust his promises, trust his presence, trust his provision, so that hope can do what it was designed to do, right? To create something for our faith to latch onto so that we could activate heaven. Here's the deal. Hope is... Christ, or recognizing Christ in us, Christ in you, and Christ in me. Colossians 1.27 puts it like this. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So this is the riches. What's the riches? Which is Christ in you. What does that have to do with hope? We'll read the next part of the verse. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Christ in us is the center of that hope. So the fact that we have Christ in us, and if that's you, and you're online, or you're in the auditorium tonight, and you're going, I don't know that that's me. I don't know that I have that hope of glory. I don't know if I have Christ in me. We're going to give you an opportunity to make that transformation tonight, so you just hold on. But for those of us who do have Christ in us, there is hope. In us, there is a well of confident expectation that God is good, his promises are true, that he keeps his word, that he is with us, that there is presence and there is provision in our life. That is the hope that resides within us. The second thing I want to talk about is not just hope, what hope is, but what does hope do? Hope does. It's active. Look at Hebrews 6, 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. Hope does what? It anchors our soul. You know, I don't know about you, but I need my soul anchored sometimes. 
You know, think about what an anchor does, right? When a ship drops an anchor, that anchor doesn't stop that ship, that vessel, from being affected by the water. I mean, the sea and the ocean's going to move, and if it begins to move rapidly, that boat will rock. It will be affected by those circumstances. But guess what it's not going to do? It's not going to get lost at sea. It's not going to lose its anchor. The anchor is going to hold it to that piece of land. So even if things are unsettled and unsure, the anchor has the function of keeping that vessel in place. And if we think about our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions... Those can go all over the place. Our mind, woo, right? Thousand thoughts a minute. Who knows? We've, we've, we've walked through every part of this election, every part of this COVID-19, every part of this pandemic, right? Our will, our emotions, right? Some of you are strong and steady, those stoic among us, right? But a lot of us are like this, especially this year, about our job and our finances, right? And our community and our businesses and all of these things and our economy, emotions. So what does hope do? Hope is an anchor for our mind, our will, and our emotions. Hope is an anchor for our soul, right? It keeps us Does that mean we're totally unaffected by everything around us? No. Just like a ship. But we're anchored in Jesus. We're not going to get lost in those circumstances. It's going to hold us when everything else seems to be going crazy. That's what hope does. It anchors us in God. It anchors us in truth. It anchors us in that salvation. I need to be anchored sometimes when my mind, will, and emotions want to get away with me. It keeps us sure and steadfast, the scripture says. Sure and steadfast. Hope is working, and it's keeping you even when you don't know it. You may be sitting here tonight saying, I don't feel that hope inside of me. You may be online watching and going, I don't feel hope. But you don't have to feel hope. The fact that you are here, hope has kept you. It has brought you, it has drawn you a hope in something better, a hope that God's going to move, a hope that God's going to speak, a hope that God has an answer. You've turned in online, it doesn't matter how you feel tonight, because you knew something inside of you was anchoring you, pulling you to the presence of God, to the Word of God, to the worship of God, because your hope in you knows what you need, whether or not you feel Hopeful in that minute because hope does anchor you. Let's look at the second part of that verse, which some of you shouted out when I asked what hope does, and you're right. The hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. In the first covenant, the old covenant, There was a temple or a tabernacle. And in that temple or tabernacle, there was a holy place. But in the center, there was a holy of holies. A place where the priests who brought gifts and sacrifices before God for the sins of the people, they could go into the holy place often. But the holy of holies... In the temple, there was a veil. There was a separation because that's where the presence of God dwelt. 
And the presence of God is holy. And there can be no unholiness in it, no unrighteousness in it. So the priest had to go through ceremony, through cleansing, through sacrifices, through gifts, before he dared once a year to enter into the holy of holies. Because if he wasn't holy before God, he could literally be struck dead because of the holiness of God in that place. And so what we're reading here is that hope, right, hope enters within the veil. Let's look at that right here. In Hebrews 10, 19, and 20, it says like this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. There is provision in Jesus' death that gives you and I access behind that veil. If you've read the story when Jesus died on the cross, that veil, the physical veil in the temple was split from the top down. God's presence being released, right? Jesus, that veil was the flesh of Jesus. That blood being poured out so that you and I could enter with hope into that place. And what's behind the veil? The presence of God. The presence of God is accessible to us through the veil, right? If hope is the confidence, confident expectation of good, then we can have a confident expectation because of the work of Jesus to go behind that veil, to get into the presence of God. It is access for you and I. And because we have access to the presence of God, it changes the way we live, the way we respond, the way we react. When those waters start to get turbulent of our life and our community and of our nation, guess what? We have access to the presence of God. We can go behind into that place, that holy of holies, and be with God. Hope, what does it do? It enters the veil. It goes into the presence of God. And what happens in God's presence is our perspective changes. Pastor Deborah taught us a long time ago this idea of perspective is so important in the life of the believer. Because perspective magnifies whatever is closer to you. It makes what is close to you seem bigger than it might be. For example, my thumb is not larger than that clock on the wall. But if I go like this and I put my thumb right here, I can't see the clock. Why? Because my thumb is much closer to me than that clock. So guess what? It seems a lot bigger than it really is, right? The perspective is everything. And so when we get to go behind the veil, then we get to get in the presence of God and he's close to us, then we're doing exactly what David said when he said, magnify the Lord, oh my soul, making God the biggest the most important deciding factor, the thing that anchors our soul because we understand his magnitude, his goodness, his presence. When we've been with him, our perspective changes. You may have experienced that today when you were in worship, 
when you lifted up your hands and you were coming into the presence of God and you were leaving behind the worries and the concerns and the elections. By the way, I'm so proud of you. The election's not decided and you're here, not at home checking in every five minutes. Who's winning? Who's winning? Who's winning? Who's winning? Right? Good on you. Right? Maybe that happened to you already as you stepped in and you got a new perspective. As God began to shift those worries and those concerns. Because we have a right to go behind the veil. We have a right to be in the presence of God. There's power behind that veil. There's power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This isn't on the screen, but Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see hope do what it does in our life, then we got to be in the presence of God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to allow hope to abound. So you're here tonight, gathered together, worshiping the presence. You're tuned in online. The Holy Spirit is there, and hope will abound as we get into the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Third thing tonight, hope is, hope does, but hope also speaks. Hope also speaks. It's one thing to know that I have a hope of salvation. It's another thing to abound in hope because I live in the presence of God, to be held and anchored, to be able to live a stable life, not tossed by every current in my society, not without my emotions going up and down and my mind going a million places. That's all part of being in the kingdom. That's all access for you and I as sons and daughters of the Most High God. But remember that God doesn't give us these gifts so we can keep them for ourselves. He gives us these gifts. He equips us to do life well. He equips us to live in his presence so that we can invite others to do the same so that we can be the light and the salt of the earth. So when we talk about hope speaks, right? It speaks out of our mouth. It speaks out of our life. It speaks out of our presence. It speaks out of our character. It speaks out of our presence of God in our lives and in our hearts. It speaks. Let's look at this. A couple of scriptures here. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful hope is a confession a confession a declaration of what god says what god's word says is the confession of our hope when people seek and all they can see is doom and gloom or they walk through life with a it is what it is, sirrah, sirrah, nothing we can do about it, we just have to endure. That's not kingdom life, that's not faith speaking, that's not the confession of our hope. Why? What does hope confess? Hope confesses God's words. Hope confesses God's promises. Hope confesses God's provision. When there's lack, we speak provision, we speak abundance, right? 
When there's sadness, we look at that for the oil of gladness to come over us. We depend and we press in and we lean, right, on God's provision. We speak, right, we speak things, not as they are, but as God says they are, right? Hope speaks. It takes God's word and it speaks it out, right? Isaiah tells us that no word of God spoken is going to return void. But God sends his word out through us so that it will fulfill the purpose for which he sent it. So it's going to give fruit. It's going to water the ground. It's going to water those seeds and bring life. The word of God has power. Cope speaks. We declare, we confess what God says. Hebrews 3.6 says this, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. People always say, don't boast. No boasting, right? Paul, who wrote a large portion of the New Testament, the letters to the churches, Right? He said, I'm not going to boast in my education, in my upbringing, in my practice of righteousness, in my knowledge, in my training, in my birth line, in my inheritance, in my Roman citizenship, in the fact that I was trained by the greatest Pharisees. I'm not going to boast in any of that. All of that I count as nothing. But what I do is I boast in Christ. And hope speaks Hope declares where our confidence comes from. This is not a boast about who you are or what you've done. But it is a boast about Christ in you, as we read in Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory. We can boast about that. It's okay to tell people what the true source of our light is, the true source of our joy is. When we are anchored in God, when we are anchored, when our soul is anchored in him, it changes our perceptions. I remember as a, I, I was a high school teacher for 21 years at the same school, and I can remember time and time again, people would ask me, why are you always smiling? Why are you always happy. And they would say it like that with the greatest frustration. Why are you always happy? Why are you always the sunshine in the room? Because we are supposed to be mad at our administrators and mad at our school district and mad at not getting a pay raise and mad at these students who don't do what they're told and mad at... But my happiness wasn't because my students did all their homework, because they didn't. My happiness wasn't because my students all got A's. They didn't. Right? My happiness wasn't because my administrator made every decision that I thought was good. He didn't. Right? But it came from somewhere else. We can boast of the Christ in us. Right? I shine. I'm happy. This is a good day regardless of the circumstances because of Jesus, because of his finished work, because I am anchored in him. And yes, the waters may be unstable, but hope speaks. Right? Where the light comes from, where the source comes from. And the world can taste and see that God is good because hope speaks through you. 
and you, and you, and you, and it speaks through us and becomes a light. We become that city on the hill that others can look to, that others are crying out for, especially in a year like 2020. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you. For what? To give an account. An account for what? For the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Right? Hope speak. Hope gives an account. Hope is ready to testify about what's inside of us. Hope is ready to proclaim the goodness of God. Hope is ready to proclaim the provision of God. Hope is ready to extend a hand and pray for the sick. Hope is ready to be generous for those who are in need. Hope is ready to give a compliment and encouragement to a downcast soul. Hope is ready to stand up and serve those who need to be served. Hope is ready to pour out the Jesus that is in us. That's how we give an account, right? Do we understand? Is there some theology behind that, some belief, some apologetic? Sure, but you know what? There's something simple, like saying the light that is in me, that's Jesus. And if you want that light, meet Jesus, and I'm going to introduce you to Jesus, right? And I can take you to a place where they can tell you more about Jesus, and he can be your light and your hope and your truth, and he can anchor you. In this season, hope speaks, church. The world needs hope in 2020 and beyond, right? This year is almost over. There's a couple of months left, some celebration months of Thanksgiving and remembering and taking a moment out to especially celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But the world will need hope for the rest of this year, and the world will need hope for all of the years to come, our neighbors, our family, our colleagues, our friends, our family, our spouses, our children, hope, if we know what hope is and we know what hope us, then we can open our mouth and let hope speak life, speak rescue, speak hope into people around us. Let's be hope dealers. Try. Not dope dealers, <laughs> hope dealers <laughs> in 2020 and beyond. Romans 12, 12, I don't think it's on the screen, but Romans 12, 12 says this, that we should rejoice in hope and persevere in tribulation. Notice what came first. The rejoicing in the hope helps with the persevering in the tribulation. So if you've been trying to do the persevering without the rejoicing, I want to encourage you to get back to hope. Get back and remember that hope that's in me is so much greater than what's happening in the world. That hope that's in me, that's my anchor. And then it says persevering in tribulation and devoted to prayer. Because when we get into prayer, we get in the presence, right? And that power of the Holy Spirit that fills us with hope, will sustain us, and will keep us. I want to take a minute now and just give you an opportunity to reflect. Everyone here, everyone online, close your eyes for just a minute. How's your hope level been in 2020? 
Has your soul been up and down, left and right, angry and frustrated? Have you lost some of that joy, some of that goodness because of the circumstances in your family? Maybe sickness has come close to you, COVID-19. Maybe finances have been difficult. And all of these things have begun to weigh you down and you're just trying to get a little bit of water, just trying to breathe. Then we're going to take a minute if that's where you find yourself. We're just going to offer that up to God together. We're going to lay it down like we said at the beginning. We can cast our cares on him. We can repent for when we've lifted the anchor out of God's presence and tried to do it on our own. When we've stopped depending on that anchor of hope. When we stop looking to Jesus for answers and we can start doing that again as we finish 2020 full of hope and do it well. So I just want you to take a minute. I'm going to pray. You can pray the prayer that I pray or you can pray your own prayer before the Father and lay down and replace your anchor. Recommit to be anchored in his presence, in his hope which is that expectation, that expectation of something good because God is good. So, Father, tonight, even though we can't grasp hope, we can't see hope, maybe we're in a situation where we can't even move beyond our circumstances. Our world seems overwhelming. My personal world seems overwhelming. Maybe, Father, it looks like things around us might even be in a free fall. Everything that I placed my hope in, Father, where I shouldn't have, it's ending, it's broken, it's suffered loss. So first I want to say, forgive me, God, for placing my hope in the temporary things, placing my hope in my job, in my community, in politics, in my political party. Father, I remove the anchor where I've misplaced it, and I put it back in Jesus Christ. I recommit, God, to be in your presence. I recommit to let the power of the Holy Spirit keep me and sustain me. Thank you, Lord, that you take my cares and that you care for them tonight. So I leave my concerns. I leave my finances, my relationships, my health. I cast it before you, God, and I thank you for your wisdom on how to move forward. Not my wisdom, but your wisdom on how to move forward in every one of these areas. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Your grace to help me make this transition. Your grace to help me keep my anchor in you and not yank it out as soon as I leave the building tonight. In Jesus' name, thank you for your provision. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.